Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go on a Wednesday. It is Cofield and Company. You heard it. Steve Cofield, Adam Hill is here. Ari is back in our Finley Toyota Studios. A big day from the uh, Battleborn Broadcast Studios or Broadcast Center. Uh, we'll get to the big story of the day, and that, of course, is the Golden Knights. Massive victory, massive victory last night. But, uh, Adam, really interesting stuff going on in Major League Baseball where most of us were shocked that the White Sox and Jerry Reinsdorf tabbed Tony La Russa, who is in his uh, upper 70s, to manage the White Sox. And here we go. We're seeing the culture split, the generational split in full force here. This all started a couple of nights ago where the Twins decided to throw a dude out there throwing 47 miles an hour, a position player, a catcher. And one of the players for the White Sox bashed a home run on a 3-0 count, really enjoyed himself. Okay, fun times, right? That's what the fans want to see, especially in a year where Rob Manfred has ruined baseball by making the uh, the baseballs into, I don't know what they are now. They're mushy baseballs, so uh, the ball's not traveling anywhere. So we're seeing no hitters left and right. We had another no hitter last night, which we shouldn't be angry about, but we kind of are. Uh, but bottom line is you want integrity of the game mixed with baseball being fun, baseball attracting all fans of all ages. And Tony La Russa has not only gone back to this unwritten rule of baseball crap because the Twins got all mad the other day that this position player is throwing pus up there and someone blasted it out of the stadium. Now La is acting like he works for the Twins. He's so acquiescing in this whole deal that if I'm on the White Sox, I'm like, dude, are you with us or against us? Enough of this crap. He is lost. He is lost. You said he's in his 70s. He, uh, he could be in his hundreds. Like he, I don't know what is going on. With that guy, I mean, old school personified, I guess. But you can have your opinions, and you can keep them in the locker room. And you could go to a guy and say, dude, what is going on? And, and that, then that's the other publicly. Thing he's that's the other thing he's doing. Yeah. He's making this about him. Yeah, public, This is a giant ego play. Publicly, you, you can go out and be like, hey, listen, that's my guy. He's, he's young. He's learning the game. But I love his enthusiasm. I love his attitude. Awesome that he went out and hit a home run. But then behind the scenes, be like, hey, listen, it's not how we play the game. Whatever. And I don't even like that part. Right. But if you're going to do it, do it behind the scenes and defend your guy publicly. And just to go back to what you said, like about, you know, integrity of the game or whatever you're going to talk about. So we're going to throw a position player out there. What, we want to see him walk, guys? Like, if you're going to throw a position player out on the mound, if I'm going to have to watch that as a fan, then give me some, give me some excitement. Right. I don't want to see a position player no, they, walk a guy. Because the, the unwritten rules guys don't care about the fans of baseball. They don't care about the future of baseball. Uh, there are very few fans around baseball who care about the unwritten rules. Uh, those who do are going to die soon. Let's be real, not to be nasty. But who are you trying to appeal to? And then the worst part of the whole thing is La Russa goes public ripping the kid. You mean Mercedes, right? And does this whole song and dance or apology by the way, Rocco Baldelli's is he even 50 yet? Like he's a young guy. He's acting. He, who was it? Chris Woodward last year with the horses ass stuff with the Fernando Tatis. These guys are like, they're, they're La Russa-esque. They're in their forties and they're acting like, 
Larusa. Then the best part is Larusa does this whole show for the twins. Twins come out and they're like, "Here we go, throw it right at them." <laughs> well, why am I doing all this if you're just gonna throw my player? And then Larusa's like, oh, "I was fine with that too." Like, like I gotta tell you, and I, you know, I mentioned my 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 love of the the freaking softball playing baseball players. If I'm your Mercedes, I'm like, I don't understand what's going on. I, what I'm taking from this is you're telling them to throw at me and threaten my livelihood. Someone needs to go and kick the crap out of Tony Larusa. And if it's 5'11", 280 guy who just made the majors after 10 years of toiling in the minors, <laughs> if that has to be me, then I'm going to go whoop your ass. But, but, or even better, you know what I'm going to have? I'm going to have my family come in and my wife and kids beat the hell out of you because you're threatening their their lives. Well, this is this is lunacy. You're, it's a guy that, that struggled for 10 years to get to the majors. Larusa, are you going to go in at the end of the season to the front office and be like, Hey, he could have had a couple more home runs. I stopped it from happening. So you should probably pay him more because I prevented him from hitting some more home runs. You're probably not going to do that. Yeah. But by the way, he shouldn't be doing that. Larusa needs to be fired now. It's over. Well, I we'll we'll uh, we'll go through this in about 30 minutes. I think there's multiple ways here where there needs to be an insurrection. Uh, I think it's player driven and I think more important than that, we've seen it happen with fans. I think the fans of the White Sox need to bond together. And get him out. That's how serious this is. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think anyone out there can make a connection to your own workplace. And I'll tell some workplace stories later. You're either with me or you're against me. And, like, I take that seriously. Clown. <laughs> you know, the crazy thing is, if it were the only thing that we were yelling and screaming about around baseball, I guess that would be fine. Not really. But last night, there was another no-hitter. Does it even matter anymore? And that's the sad part. Like, this is a giant celebration for Tigers fans. This Spencer Turnbull guy who was 3-17 and 17 two years ago, he goes and throws a no-hitter against Seattle, and a lot of the reaction to it is like, another one? Like, these things used to be celebrated. Now people are pissed off. It's five. It's too easy. We're not even to June yet. It's five. The record for a season is seven. And a lot of this is due to, one, these are good good pitching performances, but they intentionally tried to suppress offense by softening the ball. Like, as much as we yelled and screamed at him about Bud Selig and how incompetent he was, at least it was integrity uh, issues on the side of having fun, right? Like, what happened with Sosa and McGuire basically what happened from 87 to 2004 or five was a bit out of control. The home runs were crazy, but at least it was fun and everyone made money. Rob Manfred has somehow come up with a formula while he's freaking out about kids not watching baseball and he's, we got to speed up the game. So what, we have more one nothing games? Like the, the length of the game is not the problem. You have so many issues in appealing to young fans. And one of the ways to do it is not to have Freaking two hits on one side and three hits on the other. What are you doing? A fifth no-hitter? The Mariners are hitting 199 as a team. It's insane. On May 19th. It's insane. And I'll also tell you as a, like, I'm not, I just love baseball. I'm not a, you know, obsessive Tigers fan anymore. And I watch every single day like I used to. Um, I That's still my team, I would say, but. You know, I'm not I'm not into it every day, but even as a Tigers fan, I was like, okay, okay, uh, this this doesn't even count. No hitting the Mariners, like all right, 
first of all, it's it's a lost season anyway. It is one of those things maybe you can get a little bit excited about, but it was not it was not anything that I was like, you know, I was not popping a bottle of champagne last night for the Spencer Turnbull no hitter. It it, it has reached that level. Uh basketball news, we got the NBA Summer League is coming back to Vegas. A little later, a little later, not July. This yeah. year it'll be uh, August 8th to the 17th, so we'll get more details on that. Tonight we've still got basketball going on while well, the playoffs are just starting. Plans? What a setup. Lakers, Warriors, we'll have it tonight at 7 o'clock on ESPN Las Vegas. Is there also some basketball regular season? Well, you love this. This is like your favorite <laughs> thing to comment on is the fact that the NHL is in the throes of its playoffs. Like last night was about as high drama as you can get. For the Vegas Golden Knights, and every day you want to come in and talk about the regular season <laughs> today <laughs> as makeup games. So there was an afternoon game today because I was watching soccer. Like today, uh, uh, you know, this is a huge day in the Premier League. So I got up early this morning. I was, you know, I, I slept like an hour and a half, and I was like, "All right, let's go." I got Premier League games all day, and then I was like, "Wait, there's a hockey game." Oh, but no, it's a regular season game. I'm not going to watch this. They almost got me. They almost got me to turn to flip the channel over there, but I wasn't going to do it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's incredible that there's still regular regular season hockey is my favorite. No regular season basketball though; it's all play-ins. My God, last night I think we were all staring straight into the face of VGK getting blown out of the series. How bad did it feel? Second period, where you've got uh, Dumba Dumba scoring his goal. You know, Flurry stood on his head in the first period. They get out of the first period somehow without being down three or four nothing. The wild score, and I mean, you were there. Yeah. Was the building like, oh, my God, we can't beat this team, and now they've got a lead, and we're not, we have, we're not getting good chances. It was a little bit, but at the same time, like, there wasn't enough time to even do that. <laughs> like, the goal happened well, so quickly. Thing. That was the amazing thing. That is one of the goals of the year, and it was the, the rapidness that it happened, you know, how fast it happened was that was just monstrous well and, and the fact that they didn't have time to think like we can't beat this team we're not scoring we're going back to last year where we had eight goals in five games we can't score we can't score and then the marcia comes down and boom one one there was definitely panic in the first period you know the way that it was going and the wild were clearly the better team uh weren't able to score just like last game where the knights were the clearly the better team in the first period weren't able to score kind of the co- carbon copy uh the other way and then in the second period, the Knights settled in a little bit before that wild goal, but it was still, you know, you, you still thought the Wild were the better team. You still thought they were playing better, and you kind of were like, well, it's only a matter of time until they get the goal. But with the Knights still at 0-0, there is the chance they score. And I, and I will say, about two minutes before the Wild scored, um, Ed, Ed was sitting two spots down from me. Ed Graney was, and he said – Man, like this place is just waiting for something. <laughs> like they're waiting for something to happen, good or bad. Like nothing is happening right now. And if it's good, like it is going to be insane in here. And if it's bad, it is going to be really, really ugly. And the Wild scored, and it was like it was death. It was insane. It was. It was what a what a crazy feeling. All right, we'll get to the Marshall goal, and then we'll get to what Adam thinks the keys were. To the comeback, I have I have one big factor I, I point to. We'll get to that as we uh, roll on here in the two o'clock hour. Just getting started from uh, the Battleborn Broadcast Center. We got tons of EGK on the way. We'll get into more of this Larusa baseball uh, unwritten rules nonsense as well.
Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Tucked to the left side, Stevenson with under a minute to go. Talbot is in the crease. Stevenson centered, and they score! Alex Tuck, the second goal of the contest for Alex Tuck. 3-1 goal tonight, 51 seconds to play. Power play goal. Hanging at the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. Dan Duva on the call. Big victory for the Golden Knights. Looked like they were in trouble when it was one nothing. Uh, I thought one of the biggest keys in the game was speed. Speed. So we'll get to that in a second. Uh, some news and notes that are in. Let's see. ESPN Los Angeles talking to Michael Thompson. Uh says he'd like to see Matt Barnes box against Kwame Brown. Uh, okay. Kwame Brown doesn't want a box. I don't know if anyone heard the videos. Uh, he doesn't want a box. We're going to get to that at 245 because uh, we're still waiting from, for a response from Stephen A. Smith about having his, uh, his hair knocked to the front of his head to look like a toupee. So that's coming up. Um, also a story out there. These NFL stars are really close to doing uh, or really doing a 40-yard dash to see who's the quickest. So we'll get into uh, racing and deep threats in the NFL. In the four o'clock hour, but we got breaking news from the NHL. Uh oh, Blues and Knights with a bunch of positives for COVID. Yeah, there was a story out this morning that multiple teams had a bunch of positive tests this morning. Uh, didn't really hear confirmed details on where that was, but one of them was assumed to be St. Louis, uh, who was playing tonight. And the NHL just came out with a statement that said, uh, This morning we became aware of test results involving multiple players on the Blues and Golden Knights that had indicated positive results. Oh, no. For COVID-19, because the results emanated from the same lab and due to other peculiarities and similarities among the test results themselves, an investigation was initiated into the possibility that the initial test results reported may have been in error. All affected players were immediately isolated and further testing was done. Those tests have returned uniformly negative results, therefore confirming that the initial reported test results were an error. As a result, all affected players will be eligible to play in their team's next games. Oh boy. Doesn't make you feel real confident about the rest of the playoffs. <laughs> Some of these situations come up too late. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, it seems like when there are these false, false positives, they happen in groups. Like, it's not like an isolated test result. Um, and it seems like when, you know, a bunch of players go from negative to positive in one day, there's an issue because usually it will be kind of trickling out over a couple of days. One guy gets it the next day, two guys get it the next day, three guys get it. Uh, that's how it seems to work. So when there's a bunch that go from negative to positive in one day, I think that raises uh, some red flags and that's what seemed to have happened in this case. So last night's game, what were the biggest keys to you? Weathering the storm early uh, for the golden Knights. And yeah. like I said, that was exact opposite of last game because last game, the Golden Knights were unbelievable in the first period. And, you know, Cam Talbot was phenomenal, kept them off the scoreboard, and then the Wild were able to settle into the game and eventually win. And the same thing happened the other way for the Golden Knights yesterday. The Wild dominated but couldn't score early. And, you know, I'm on I'm on the morning skate calls with Minnesota, and, you know, yesterday they talked before the game. They said their their biggest key was a, start, was a better start because their start was not good in game one. And... Message received. They came out and were flying all around the place uh, in the first period. I think a lot of us watching were shocked. At how they came out? Well, at the fact that the Knights weren't the team coming out stronger. 
Well, I think usually, I mean, when you're focused that much on it, like they were just obsessed with starting strong. I feel like for the longest time, you know, maybe not the end of the playoffs last year, but the Knights really had an edge early in games and they would jump out quick. And the first period has just been a bugaboo now. Scoring goals in the first period in the playoffs has been troubling. And then last night, yeah, they were they were outplayed in the first. Yeah. And each each team was taking their turn uh, with a dominant first period with no goals. And, you know, through different circumstances, but each of those teams have in turn lost. So I think the, you know, the lesson is if you're going to come out and exert that much energy in the first period, you better score and you better go ahead and you better have a lead uh, coming out. The Golden Knights could have easily been up 3 nothing after the first period in game one. They weren't. It was 0-0. Yesterday, the Wild could have been up 3 nothing, and they they weren't. So what do you think of my uh, speed comment? I thought Marcia so surprised the hell out of the Wild. You know, they're a little caught up for a couple seconds, all euphoric after scoring the goal. I thought he caught him off guard, and, he, you know, he's a relatively fast guy. And then I, I just thought I thought the work to get to the glass behind the boards to set up Tuck by both Yanmark uh, and Stevenson yeah. just destroyed them from, from a speed standpoint. Yeah, I, thought- I, know, I know everyone sees the end result, but a lot of it's what happens before that sure. and the fact that those guys jetted to the, to the boards and were able to get to the puck and then get it in front quickly. That was awesome. Yeah, Stevenson is always always he looks like looks the so fastest fast guy on the night, ice. Yeah, he always looks like the fastest yeah. guy on the ice. He's incredibly fast. And Jan Mark, we got when they got him. That's what we talked about. They yeah. got him for speed, and uh, he's he's made some some really subtle plays along the way. I think that have been very helpful uh, for this team for sure. Uh, in terms of the Marcheso goal, I, I just thought, you know, nobody on the Wild said this, but to me, that was a classic case of you have been fighting for a goal for five periods, and nobody's gotten one. And you just say, oh, we got it. Yep. Thank goodness. Oh, wait, we have to play defense right. now. And, you know, what is it, 18 seconds later, you have a goal. Unbelievable. Great shot, too. Great shot. Yeah, no question. And, I mean, in the end, that's the key on a lot of these goals. I mean, how many how many goals last night hit the crossbar? You know, there were a lot sure. of good opportunities, uh, you know, especially later in the game for the Knights, but throughout for the Wild and just about finishing. And that was the theme going in. You got to finish. And, and one, you know, Yes, it was a great shot by Marcia So, but uh, to the point of just kind of taking their foot off the gas and maybe breathing a little bit, how many shots the first two games have the Wild blocked and just had a guy there to block it? In this case, nobody's there. No one they, there. They I, hit- saw, didn't I, I think it was uh, Dumba who went down in the first where he was he he, uh, he blocked one and then went to the went to the bench and he was kind of laughing about getting hit. I think <laughs> yeah. like up in his left shoulder. I'm like, yeah, oh, it hurts. It does. It's smart. Think about sacrifices. Yeah. yeah. That's let's playoff hockey, and yeah, it's a you know, I love when you hear quotes that are, you know, that are really obvious, but you're also like, yeah, makes sense. Um, one of the things their their coach was talking about yesterday in the uh, in the morning skate was, you know, like yeah, you're looking at guys now that are willing to give up their body and sacrifice, but like everybody is like, it's not surprising that somebody in the playoffs is like our guys are willing to do that in game 35, and that's why that's why I really like this team and why I like these guys, but uh, yeah, when you get to the playoffs, like you'll, you'll take that, you'll take that pain in your shoulder, you know, in your leg or somewhere else. And that that's, you know, on the other side, that's what you talk about with Alec Martinez all the time. That's why he's been a Stanley cup champion because he's willing to sacrifice his body in game 35 and playoffs. You know, he's going to be there to do it. Did the wild say anything about the late penalty, the hooking tripping? No. That, I mean, that took, that took the freaking wind out of their sails. Yeah. They're, they're two one. All of a sudden now you're in a power play to close the game. Yeah, I mean, and they didn't. I mean, there was it was a pretty clear. Yeah, I mean, penalty. I don't, I don't think I not, can bitch about it. No, nah, there's not much you're gonna say. I mean, you. you Why you did know. he do it? I think he was tired. Yeah, 
that's usually what you see with penalties. Somebody gets tired and just get lazy and just reach their stick out instead of instead of skating to somewhere. They just stretch stretch out. I thought he was complaining about it too, and I, I couldn't understand what Marshall was saying. But Marshall was like, "Come on!" <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a clear one. Well, I think the only the only complaint that you could have even possibly had is, you know, unwritten rules. You're not supposed to call a penalty that late uh, in the game, but you know, I, I, it was a clear penalty. Here we go. Yeah, it was obvious. Did we get that as much in hockey during the playoffs. Oh yeah, we get the unwritten rule and not calling penalties in key moments. Yeah, swallow the whistle. I mean, it's right in the middle of the ice. It was. It was, it was obvious. Like that's why I don't even think it wasn't even talked about. It wasn't discussed. It wasn't part of the part of the post game. It was just a very obvious penalty. Unwritten rule: If you're uh, if you're up three one as a goalie, should you try to score? No. Ooh, is nope. another Minnesota team all pissed off? Unwritten rule, right? You see Flurry go for it. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's always wanted to score. That's 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 the dream. Good for him. Uh, I know uh, one of the local one of the local books had a prop. Uh, will Flurry score a goal this year? But I believe it was regular season. So I think you already won on the no. Reposted for the playoffs. Almost almost had to pay it off. Right? Why not? Uh, this is Military Appreciation Month, and Nova Home Loans is offering to waive their lender processing fee on all VA loans throughout the month. You got the record low interest rates, and now no processing fees thrown in. It's a great opportunity for veterans and active-duty military to refinance your existing loan or purchase a home today. But you got to call, and you got to do it now. It's this month, Military Appreciation Month. 877-700-NOVA is the number, 877-700-NOVA. It's Nova Home Loan, so give them a call. We got the Lakers game coming up tonight, seven o'clock, shortly after Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. We will get back to one of the other big stories of the day, and that is baseball, and that is this generation gap. And we're seeing it with the fans, we're seeing it with the media, and yet it's really not an age thing because we got Larusa and we got young guy Rocco Baldelli, we got young guy Chris Woodward. All trying to go back to these unwritten rules, and people are getting really pissed off. And I, I'll tell you what, for Jerry Reinsdorf, and I don't know, he's like you know half in the bag. He doesn't know what the hell's going on. Otherwise, he wouldn't have hired Larusa. He's got a problem on his hands because more and more guys on the White Sox are speaking out, and they're speaking to the media, and they're saying, "Hey, I don't back what Larusa did to this guy, Yermin Mercedes, who hit a three-zero pitch out of the park." How does Larusa quell this when he doesn't seem to be able to communicate with anyone? Visit LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. Anytime I hear Reggie Jackson's name, I was fortunate to pitch for 18 years. You're not there. Well, we're not. <laughs> he was still the only guy that when he walked in the box, I'm like, damn it, I made it. This is where I got it. I was like, I made it. Like, Reggie. Yeah, it was just... And you, you did well against them. I did, but that was at the end. It wasn't, wasn't fair. Wasn't, I mean, it's not fair to bring that up. Hanging at the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. Oh, boy. That could be a slip to the unemployment line for Dan Plesak, the former major leaguer on MLB Network. The way Rob Manfred operates the commissioner, you think he was crying this morning when he saw that? It's like, fans... Hearing f bombs and gee damn it's oh no we're in trouble. I think Plesak was crying even more. Yeah, I think his uh, his days got worse. He had a root canal this morning. I think. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I saw him like in a chair. Oh, wow. Like uh, he's like, well, you 
you curse one night, you get the pain the next day. And he was in a dentist chair, is like a, a selfie. Is that an elaborate ruse? He needed a root canal anyway, so he's getting a root canal to make sure that Manfred doesn't come down on him. Like, you can't fire me, man. I think so. Made a mistake. I cussed a couple times one time. Those, you would you would have loved the. Uh, the I'm I'm just referencing soccer all day today because it's all, all I did all day. But there was a uh, a player was about to get a yellow card, and he saw the ref coming to give it to him, so he just went back to the ground and was like he's like started screaming in pain. Yeah. Waited for the 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 trainers to come over. He's like he keeps looking at the ref, and the ref's just standing there waiting. And he's like, "You're gonna get the card eventually, dude." And he just he tried to go for like five minutes, and finally the ref's like, "All right." Here's the card. Like, it's, what are we doing? Actually, I, th- I think my my motion to you is throwing it down like a card, but they actually hold it up, right? Yeah, but, were, but yeah. the ref was just standing there. He's like, "I'm not going to give it to you while you're hurting here, but like, I'm I'm, I'm going to wait it out." Like, did the guy think you? Eventually, the ref's going to be like, "All right, enough. I'm I'm done waiting. I'm not going to give this guy a card." That's that's what police act was doing. If I'm getting a root canal, I'm not going to get in trouble with Manfred. Do so you know what's great about that story? You're hearing the players' take in you know what was real time for him. That's fun. He's basically saying, hey, I'm in the majors. Here comes Reggie, Reggie Jackson. Gee, damn it. And then he drops an F-bomb like, freaking Reggie. Like, that's fun. Sports is supposed to be fun. Baseball is supposed to be fun. We all play baseball as kids. There's a certain intensity to the game, but it's also supposed to be fun. So how how is Tony La Russa and Rocco Baldelli and Chris Woodward from a year ago, how are they ruining this for us? How are they ruining it for the folks who are younger than us, teenagers and 20-somethings? Hitting a home run off a 47-mile-an-hour piece of crap pitch is fun. You've given up the game if you're throwing your fat catcher in there to pitch. And somehow Tony La Russa has made this into something that's not fun. He said, yeah, of course I talked to uh, Jeremy Mercedes about it. It's a learning experience. Made a mistake. I actually apologized to the Twins. I sent a message over there. Said that it's not acceptable. And I'm certain that it will not happen again with your mean. Even after that, the Twins then send uh, Duffy out. He just freaking guns one at your mean Mercedes' feet, which, frankly, Mercedes is such a big guy. And I'd be so pissed off at this point that I've been thrown under the bus repeatedly. And I was called clueless by some old clown. Who, by the way, can we, do we have to do all the personal attacks on La Russa and his managing this year? We're using a word clueless? Pot calling the kettle black, bro. Yeah, he he's he's talking about the unwritten rules. He doesn't know the written rules. Really, his only job. It's like his only job to know the rules. He's been he's been handed the keys to what whatever you know, freaking a Ferrari. The White Sox are a really good team, even without one of their best players, Jimenez. They're a really good team. They get young pitching. They got experienced pitching. They've got sluggers all over the place. They're also it's like the perfect team to root for across the spectrum in baseball. They're incredibly, you know, racially, ethnically diverse. Like, if, if you're into that stuff, then you can certainly gravitate to the White Sox. And then this guy is like, you know, we need to play to the unwritten rules. Nah, we don't. The fans don't care anymore. Media doesn't care. Who, who is he trying to please? What is this ego play? I, I mean, it's some, it's some weird respect to baseball thing that the old, you know, keepers. And by the way. Where where did he come? Like where was he most known? He's he's the guy who was at the helm of two of the most cheatingest clubs in baseball. Right. He ran the A's and the Cardinals. Like it wasn't yeah. good enough to do to be the Bash Brothers and have you know half the team freaking cracking bodybuilding poses and shooting each other in the keister, according to Jose Canseco. That wasn't enough. 
And it really, that started the steroid era. I actually sure. there's there were guys using steroids earlier than that with your Tigers, allegedly. That's and then you bounce back with McGuire, you know, another 40 pounds heavier at 6'5 and 340. He wasn't 340, but he was gigantic. And he's in rockets, dead like deadly rockets all over the place. He worked for both of those franchises. And he's like, integrity of baseball, rules of the game. Like, you guys didn't give a crap about any rules. Are you saying the Rob Deere, Pina Covilla years were tainted? Detroit. Uh, I would. I'd go back to even the championship team with Jack Morris. Settle down. And come on, let Sweet it's Lou. A, it's just a look. I don't know about Sweet Lou. <laughs> but guy. yeah, as, you're right. As time went along, yes. Inky and Deer. Uh, Dean Palmer. Mickey Tettleton. <laughs> no, Fruit I mean, Loops was. I mean, clean. all I, all I ever see, all I envision going back is just seeing these guys come up there with these like freaking pipes. And their forearms are just like flick home run. <laughs> well, it was, uh, it was a lot far, of hard weight lifting, I guess. Far more often, it was think, strikeout. Yeah, well, but there was occasional home runs mixed in there too. I mean, just everyone shooting for the short porch. I mean, right. if you talk about a liking a softball team, that was that a was, team that you should have loved. That was the team. That's what that team was. But but alleged. What I was referring to with Larusa, though, I mean, you mentioned with the Cardinals, like yeah, there was there was steroids potentially allegedly, but. Like they're the ones that are the worst offenders of oh, the right. rules of baseball the rules nonsense. Of baseball, because we have the best fans. We're Midwest fans. Our guys determine whether you can celebrate or not, and it's still going on. That's like a twenty-five year legacy. He started it. Clearly, he's the one that passed this on. Yep. And you know what's funny? I we were talking about it yesterday that uh, you know if you're going to throw at the dugout at anybody, or you're going to throw at anybody on the field, you know sometimes you might want to just throw at the dugout. My reference to that last year was Dusty Baker because he was out of control. With the Astros, oh. completely out of control. Just yeah. turn side. You know, if I'm going to get thrown out, just throw it at the dugout. Let's all let's all fight. Come on, but it, let's it's, all go. And Larusa has got to be the first one out. But it'd be like if Dusty, like Dusty, was defending his team. Yeah. It'd be like if Dusty was going out there, like, hey, look, that's I, a good point. This, my guys, they're stealing signs electronically. These jerks, you need We're to sorry. throw at them. Yeah, you We're should sorry. go. Yeah, you should throw at them. Yeah, that's what Larusa is doing. Dude, what is he doing? It's preposterous what he's doing. Again, if you – like, I don't think he should even have this opinion anyway. I don't. But if you're going to, talk about it in the clubhouse and then publicly support your guy. I didn't know Rocco Baldelli is 39 years old. Oh, boy. Hey, kid, (laughs) lighten up. (laughs) By the way, you noticed one of the guys when Baldelli was running out on the field because Duffy got thrown out, you know, because after the home run game, then, for you know, first thing out, throw (laughs) your and Mercedes. Duffy throws one at his feet. And Baldelli comes out arguing, like, there's no, dude, there's no argument. We know you set it up. You know he did it on purpose. But Tim Anderson's in the dugout, and he was like, get off the field, get off the field. That's the guy, if I were Larusa, that's the guy I'd worry about in the White Sox clubhouse. If there's going to be an insurrection, he's going to lead it. Because he's an incredibly smart dude, and I'm sure he can see that this is absolute bullcrap. And then Larusa's like, oh, I'll bet anything to tell you that uh, everyone's fine with me. You know, they didn't give me the Heisman on when I walked through the clubhouse. Yeah, they're all snickering and and freaking muttering under the breath. What is this clown doing? So did you see Tim Anderson's tweet? It was, don't see and don't hear. Keep pushing, 100. I have no idea what that means. I just assume it's about LaRusa. There's got to be something about him. Sorry, folks. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't. No. And... You can say, you know, what do you know? Everyone works for a manager or has managed. Yeah. You boil it down. It's, 
an employee situation against an employee or employees. And when you turn on enough of your employees, guess what happens? Eventually, you're done. Eventually. Some can get away with it forever. But in a public spot like that, you know, uh, something we can all see happening. And everyone has mics in their face. So they've all got something to say. People outside the White Sox organization are laughing at them. People inside. It's a freaking joke. And I think this could be one of those rare cases. Bring us back to Man U and what's been going on with the Glazer family. Not Jay Glazer, but the Glazers who own the Buccaneers. Yeah, the fans are outraged and they are protesting. And, you know, they've been, they got one game canceled. They got another game close to being canceled. They They want the team sold. Yeah. They're fed up. And it all goes back to what? Well, a lot of things, but the American ownership is, is part of it. Then yeah. they, they've done a whole bunch of things. The last draw was trying to form this new Super League where they would get a bunch of money guaranteed every year instead of competing for the tournaments that the fans want them yeah. to compete in. Automatic entry. And then essentially not getting rid of, but like undercutting their major European league at the end of the year. Well, yeah, at the end of the year, but well, I mean, you have to earn your way into Champions League right. play every year, and part of what these these teams did, most of them make it most years, but not every year. Like you have to earn your way in, and so a bunch of these teams are like, "Hey, we've got brand names. Why don't we just start our own league? We that we qualify for every year because it's us, and we'll get a bunch of guaranteed money, and not have to earn our way in." And the fans are like, "We love champion. We love yeah. the Champions League." What are you doing? But that was not it. I mean, there's, but there's it's been, been it's been building. Of course, it's, it's been, been building. Yeah. And for White Sox fans, like they got something great going on here. They can win multiple World Series. This guy's going to potentially jack up the season. To me, the, the White Sox fans need to do something. Bond together. I don't know what it means not going to games or protesting before every game at home. Do something. Get them out. Fans have power. Yeah. And Reinsdorf is a stubborn old ass, so I don't know if he's going to do anything. But if it gets embarrassing enough. Get them out. The fans should do something, as you said. Uh, they should figure out some some way to protest and show their displeasure and and figure out a way to put some pressure on the on the team. But every single one of those players should be marching up to the to the front office and saying, "Get him out." Am I off on this? Do I like just I don't I you know after doing this all these years I just don't understand sports and this is just the way things work. Like I I respect certain things about sports. There are certain rules, but this so flies in the face because. The thing I respect the most is it's us. It's us against them. So, like, even as much as it annoys me about Rocco Baldelli and the, you know, guys in the Twins Clubhouse or, you know, they're upset, at least they're in it together. This is just publicly shaming one of your employees, one of your players, to get your own jollies. Like, what are you proving? Yeah. And, you know, you could make the, the, you can make the case or you could try to claim, that it's not about hitting the home run on the position player. It's not about the 47 mile or whatever. It's about it's about ignoring a take sign. But that's behind the scenes. You do that in the locker room. Mm-hmm. You go back in the locker room and you say, "Hey, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to tell the media that I'm cool with what I'm cool with you. That I love you. You're great. You know, you're just a young player. You're learning the way, whatever. But you never ignore a take sign from me again. Right. And you could do that. And you could tell him straight up in the locker room." You don't need to go out and, and start ripping him to the press. Adam, what do I say about, and what have I said about Larusa for many years and his friends 
in the coaching biz, right? Yeah. Knight. Bobby Knight and Bill Parcells. And yeah. while they're they're all great managers and coaches, like all timers, they're as much about themselves as they are about the team at times. Those guys love to make a public spectacle. Parcells loved it. Oh, he's genius. Bobby Knight loved it. And LaRusa is the same way. That's why those guys get along. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. Yeah, I was mentioning earlier uh, something that was going on on ESPN LA where they had on uh, Michael Thompson. They were talking to the Lakers, but they were joking about Kwame Brown and that Matt Barnes and Kwame Brown need to have a boxing match. And we talked about this the other day with all these celebrity boxing matches. Kwame Brown doesn't want to, he doesn't want to box. He doesn't want to box. If you heard him talking about Stephen A. Smith, and we'll play the roots of his anger with Stephen A. Smith here in just a couple minutes, but we never got to play Kwame Brown going after Stephen A. Uh, I guess he looked up the laws of fighting and where he can legally beat the hell out of people. So uh, that I would take that seriously. Stephen A., you bald forehead, you were thinking you tough, saying all kind of shit, like, oh, you come see me. Well, sign up. Let's go to Seattle and you sign up. Well, Seattle, you ain't got to sign no waiver. Meet me in Seattle where you can have mutual combat and talk like that. Ah, slap a two. It'll look like you got a toupee on the front of your head or how hard I slap the back of your head. <laughs> the hell you talking about? <laughs> if I drop that in on you every so often. Meet me in Seattle? No. What the hell you talking about? It's not going to have the same. No? No. Doesn't have the same weight behind it. I'll slap that curly hair to the front of your face. You look like you're wearing a Merkin. It's Philly in New Jersey. I'll smash a lemonade right in your face. This doesn't sound that, tough. That's more genuine. It doesn't sound tough. It doesn't sound tough. <laughs> Why was I going to smash a lemonade in someone's face? That doesn't sound as tough as Kwame Brown. You're right. No, it doesn't. McKinney. Not at all. What if I said it to a kid? Then I have the size mm-hmm. advantage. I think they're still, they'd still laugh and be like, why? They would. Like, lemonade and smash on my face sounds funny. It's like Nickelodeon. Shut up, Uncle Steve. Yeah. That's already scary. I would never say that to a child. You should. Kids are the best. Probably would smack a lim- smash a lemonade right in their face. Right. You know? If that's the way you grow up, that's the way you learn to parent. I'm not saying I got a lemonade smashed in my face, but I mean, maybe, it- maybe I got that. Maybe, maybe I had that said to me at some point by my mother. I just don't even, like, now what kind of. Now she's going to listen to the archive and be like, you stop saying stuff like that. What kind of cup do you use to smash? Like a lemon, like a like a plastic cup, I guess. Like a little frozen frozen lemonade, so it's got some pop to it. Okay, that's different. So back to Kwame Brown, who wants to slap Stephen A. in the back of the head, so it looks like he has a toupee on the front. I'm just impressed with his legal knowledge. What is the? You know what? Justin Watson. <laughs> I forgot. We usually trade stories. I forgot to send that to him. Are there actually legal combat zones around this country? Apparently Seattle. He looked it up. Like this takes over. This does take over from the famous "Meet Me in Temecula." Oh yeah, with the which was an, an argument I think about Kobe's cool. legacy. It was about Kobe. Yeah, two uh, guys and they wanted to meet in Temecula, and the one guy drove there. Yeah, and he took a picture with the "Welcome like, to Temecula" here. sign, which is hilarious. Uh, this I think this trumps that. I think the "Meet Me in Seattle" where where the rules of mutual combat are favorable to us actually throwing down and not being in trouble. Uh, I think that's great. Do we have any clue where this all comes from? No. Like, why is he so mad at Stephen A. Smith? 
I'm sure a lot of people are mad at Stephen A. Smith. I'm sure he's trashed him as a bust. It seems to be what is what has been triggering Kwame Brown lately. Oh boy! Oh, Kwame Brown was traded. Yeah, here's Stephen A. from like 2008. Did L.A. give up too much to get a guy who has been labeled soft, although he puts up 19 and 9, which only 11 other guys do? Is that a trick question? You tell me. They gave up Kwame Brown. Two first-rounders. I could, I could care less. I into his salary for First years. of all, understand something. When you're giving up first-round picks, if you are a quality team in, play, in playoff contention, it really doesn't mean that much. That's number one. Number two, and more importantly, Kwame Brown is gone. The City of Angels, Hollywood, just should be celebrated. Throw a parade already, whether you win a championship or not. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. No disrespect whatsoever, but I'm sorry to call tell everybody the truth. The man cannot play the game of basketball. He has small hands. He can't catch the ball. He's got bad feet. He can't really move, even though he's mobile. Doesn't really know what he's doing. Doesn't have a post move that he he puts to memory that he can do two times in a row. He has no game whatsoever. Plays no defense. Doesn't have the heart, the passion, or anything that comes with it. And you're asking me whether they gave up too much? Please. The Los Angeles Lakers knew exactly what they were doing. They should be celebrating right now. And Kobe Bryant should not be saying a word. I don't get it. What he said that was bad. Who's it? Was it Gasol that they got? <laughs> was, I don't. I'm trying to remember what trade that was. I don't know. Is that the most important part? Yes, to me. The fact was, that he, he ripped every freaking <laughs> element of his game. Also, sort of called him a, a wimp and small hands. <laughs> I mean, I can understand why Kwame wants to meet him in Seattle. Yes. And start throwing down. Like I, I was. I, but I was obsessed. Did you look it up? Like yeah, the it was Kwame Brown. Oh, no. Javaris Crittenden. <laughs> Aaron McKee. Marcus Hall. For Powell. Oh, I forgot that the Marcus Hall went for, went for Powell. Powell. Yeah, Gasol. it was before he was in the league. Here's the rights to, to Mark. Who knows if he can play? Perhaps in stash. I think it was a good trade for the Lakers. It worked out. Yeah. yeah. yeah they, they, they got a couple of titles. They did, they did what I thought they would never do again because I – I was very much on the side of Shaq and the Shaq-Kobe split, and I was like, Kobe's never going to – they're never going to draw someone there to play with, with Kobe. They're never going to get a running mate. They got a running mate, and they won titles. He did it. He did it without Shaq. I lose. Could have been Kwame Brown, though. Or, oh, I fought tooth and nail for Kwame Brown. Or Javaris Crittenden. Holy crap, he really did eviscerate him. Uh, I, I mean, I can understand why Kwame is upset. You know, I'm just going to say, to Kwame Brown, uh, as a person who lets, lets things go, I mean, come on, bro. It was 13 years ago. Let it go. <laughs> Hashtag never forget. No, you're gonna have to meet Kwame in Seattle. Oh my god, I have nothing bad to say about Kwame. And as, uh, you know what I saw Jamel Hill say yesterday? She's like, I am going to scrub my social media. I got to make sure that I didn't say anything bad about Kwame Brown over the years. She's like, I'm afraid, you know, what he's gonna say about my mother is the Matt Barnes thing about his granddad's. I I got real. That got real ugly. I'm actually gonna go through my social media and make sure I didn't say anything <laughs> about Kwame else. Adam Hill, Kwame Brown. Yeah, just make sure, just in case. I don't need that right now. Three o'clock hours on the way. We got Justin Watkins coming in. We'll find out about the uh, combat zone of Seattle, and we'll also get into uh, what he thinks about the big game last night. What a comeback by the Golden Knights. Cofield and Company will be back in minutes, right here on ESPN Las Vegas. The Las Vegas Aces host the Los Angeles Sparks Friday at seven. On ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Chevrolet Dealers.